Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. We are a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. If you'd like to find out more information about the church, you can visit our website. The information will be available to you at the end of this video. Today is Friday, December 2nd, 2022. This is edition number two of season seven of the morning devotional. We are working our way now through the book of Joshua. Yesterday we considered Joshua chapter one. We considered the assurances and promises that God gave to Joshua as he as he took the great responsibility of leading God's people into the promised land, which is a picture of our eternal rest. We noted how the people of God promised to do all that they were commanded to do just as they obeyed Moses, they will obey Joshua. We noted also the importance of Joshua meditating and being in the Word of God, the law of God, through it, then therefore he would have great success as he leads these people. Today we're going to consider chapter 2, the execution of God's commands, the actions of Rahab the prostitute. Um, there in this city of Jericho, as well as the gracious promise of the spies. Let's pray first, and then we'll consider these three items from Joshua chapter 2 together. Let's pray. Father, as we now look to your word and we look uh, for understanding, we pray that you would grant us your spirit, that we would understand your word and we would understand your mind. We know that you've given us your word as a light to our path, even this narrative that shows us much about your gracious, your, your kindness and your graciousness. It also shows us something about um, the zeal we must have to trust and believe you. We pray that you would teach us even now for Christ's sake. Amen. As I mentioned already, this chapter really highlights, it highlights really a number of issues, even an ethical one that uh, I'll get into just briefly in a, in a few moments. But uh, for our purposes, I've divided this, this chapter into three functional titles or categories. The first one is the execution of God's command. We've noted already that God has told Joshua to go take the land. The land belongs to him. It is his. It is his people's. It is God's people's land. He will give it to them. He will go before them. He will fight for them. In chapter 2, we see the, the initial campaign of the people of God who will go and take the land. And we see this in the form of the two spies that Joshua wisely sends into, uh, into Jericho, into the land, to spy it out, to assess the circumstances, assess the situation, and uh, make report back to Joshua. Now, in the process of executing God's commands, a number of things happen to these spies. The people hear of it. The king of Jericho hears of it. And they, um, they go looking for these two men. And as they do, they come to the house of uh, Rahab, um, where they are hidden away by her. Now, what we note, first of all, is how Joshua executes the commands of God. He does what he's told. And we, too, as we live our Christian lives, we must be, we must be people that speedily obey the Lord. As one um, popular Bible teacher, theologian says, delayed obedience is disobedience. And indeed it is. And so Joshua immediately sends these two men in to spy out the land. And as they do that, they are pursued by the enemy. 
They come to the house of Rahab the prostitute, as we note there in verse 1, and she hides them. And in the so hiding of them, the people that were pursuing these two spies come to their home and they, uh, they inquire of her uh, as to her knowledge of these, um, uh, of, the, of these men. And so in verse 3, we read, Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan, as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Now what we have here, clearly is a lie. Uh, Rahab deceives these people as they ask a very direct question as to uh, the whereabouts of these individuals. And she says in verse 4, I did not know. Uh, I, I don't know where they were from. I don't know where they've gone. I don't know what's happened to them. Uh, she lies. Now this has created uh, a number of ethical questions um, Regarding this lie, was it a sin? Was it a lie? Was it inappropriate? Should Rahab have trusted the providence of God and given the men over and told the truth? A number of issues have come from this. And you're going to have to, uh, as a student of God's Word, you're going to have to study this and think through it. Um, There's a number of resources I could recommend if you're interested. Um, But the fact remains is that it is an ethical issue. Now, one commentator here, he's, uh, they state, uh, he states that Rahab's deceptive response has been alternate, alternatively condemned as a lie or defended as justified in the context of impending warfare. The narrative, in fact, does not address the, the ethical issue in the New Testament while commending Rahab for protecting the spas offers no explicit comment regarding her methods. Now, this is mentioned, of course, in Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Faith, that faith chapter in Hebrews, as well as in James chapter 2 as, a, as an object lesson, as an illustration, an example of faith and works, faith working together with works. Similar instances of deception are found in Exodus 1, 15 to 21, 1 Samuel 16, verse 2, 1 Kings 22, 19 to 23. Given that this is a deceptive narrative rather than prescriptive instruction, no general ethical principles can be drawn from her actions. It is also possible, however, to say that Rahab's profession of faith implies her new allegiance to the Lord and to his people. Thus, she helps them in the warfare, and she expresses her new allegiance by protecting the spies with a ruse. Now, this would be James' point in James chapter 2. Further, it's important to note, even as this commentator states it, that this issue is not prescriptive. In other words, We can't appeal to Joshua 2 for argument by which we might lie in a circumstance similar or or close or parallel or akin to it. Um, God's word is very clear that lying is sin, Exodus chapter 20. Um, We shall not bear false witness. The fact remains that lying is sin. Now, there's no question that she lied. In my personal, my own 
Uh, my take on this passage is that she did lie, um, and it was a sin, and God overruled the circumstances in such a way as to protect the men uh, who were following the directives, really ultimately of the Lord, uh, through the hand of Joshua. And given the fact that the New Testament does not it does not um, condemn her for her actions, but only only um, uses her as a positive illustration. Um, it seems to me that though it was a lie, God overruled it and overruled it for good. And so um, God often does that. He did that at the end of Genesis with the with the brothers of jo- uh, Joseph, and I think here we have the same thing. But really, it's an exercise of Rahab's faith. She trusted God, and it was credited to her for righteousness. She believed in the God of Israel. And she goes on to say that later in the chapter where she recounts to the men um, how uh, their reputations had preceded them. They had heard about the might and power of God and how he had gone before them and how um, he fought for them and how he would uh, take care of his people. And so this is an act of faith uh, by this woman, But you're going to have to wrestle with the ethical questions as it pertains to it. The final thing we note here in this chapter is the gracious promise of the spies. And much has been made out of the the commitment that is uh, forced uh, from her uh, that she might tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and and, uh, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. Now here, the, the scarlet cord, much has been made out of this. Uh, well-meaning Bible teachers will make really interesting arguments regarding the color of the cord, and it signifies the blood of Christ and how it rescued her. And I'm not convinced of that argument. Uh, I don't think the text makes that statement. I think the, the point of it all is that during the chaos of taking Jericho and all that is going on, a scarlet cord is going to stand out very clearly, uh, visibly, to the, um, to the invaders, to the people of Israel. And so the word is sent out uh, as they take Jericho that if they see this cord, that that is to be left unharmed, untouched, and the people in the house are to be spared. But what we note is uh, that this really does, I think, highlight the gracious nature of the God of heaven. Remember, the, the, the directives were to, to go and, and annihilate, go and take the land, drive out all of the enemies from them. And here they spare Rahab, the prostitute. They spare her and her family. And as a result, they demonstrate really the very gracious nature of uh, the God of heaven. It demonstrates his willingness um, to uh, show forth his mercy uh, to an undeserving uh, creature such as uh, Rahab. And so this prostitute is rescued. She is saved. We'll see this as Israel eventually goes to take the city of Jericho. That doesn't come until chapter 6. But in the meantime, we, um, we see this gracious work of God. The other thing we note about Rahab that's very important is that she is an, uh, an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's human line. Rahab is in the line 
of the Savior himself. And through here, even the promise of Genesis 3.15, through the seed of the woman will come the Savior. This woman is spared that the line of Christ might come uh, through normal process all the way through the ages until the fullness of time God would give forth his Son through the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the birth of the Virgin Mary. And so much is packed into this chapter, much to uh, work through and understand the ethical issues, uh, the, the genealogical issues that are present, that are present here, the, the, the speediness by which Joshua obeys the Lord is an example to us by which we must follow as well, and then also highlighting the gracious nature and character of our God. He is kind to those who turn to Him. Regardless of your past, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of even this woman who was a prostitute, regardless, if you trust Him by faith, believing that He will rescue you from your sin, He will, in fact, do just that. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Monday edition, when we consider Joshua 3 and the crossing of the Jordan, very much paralleling the crossing of the Red Sea, may the Lord bless you this weekend. May you strive to be in God's worship on the Lord's Day. May you walk with Him. God bless.